Good morning. Turning our Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Did a little background on Joshua last week, and we didn't get much into the book itself, but I hope we got into the person of Joshua, if we learned things about him. As you turn to Joshua chapter 1, or maybe you're already there, I'd like to tell you about some folks that I know. Some folks, they, their name's Jose and Alice. They live in Fremont. They actually run a pizza place right down the street a couple of miles. We first met them a couple of years ago we moved in, when we moved into the area. They um, are very capable. We first, I think, met Alice. At, uh, it was the first of the two that we met. And we went in there and got some pizza and felt very comfortable. And she got out some of the toys she has her kids play with, these little magnets, little cone-shaped, dual cone-shaped magnets with balls. And you make all sorts of figurines and stuff my kids love and still ask for to this day. And then we met Jose. And uh, so after meeting his capable wife, Jose was very capable himself and, and uh, worked hard, seemed like a devoted husband. Um, then also we found out, I think we've prayed for them before, that their child had a brain tumor. You know, we actually saw them at Children's when we were working with, uh, when we were there with Joshua. So, you know, we spent time with them. We've given them tracks, I think in English and in Spanish. But you know, sometimes you just don't seem to get anywhere with people. You want to reach them for Christ, right? You know they don't know the Lord, but what do people often have walls don't they and sometimes things get tough the walls become bigger and bigger and bigger and you think lord how am i ever going to get past these walls they're too big they're too entrenched i guess when you talk about josh you have to talk about walls don't you all right well, as we look, before we look there in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to just remind ourselves that we looked at Joshua last week, his flexibility and availability. Moses said, hey, go out and fight the Malachites. So he did, and showed himself very capable as a military general. And he desired to be close to the Lord. Every chance he got, he was there at the door of the tabernacle. Even when Moses had to come and go, Joshua was always right there. And you could see he had a wholehearted commitment to the Lord. Remember, it was only he and Caleb, the Lord said, they are holy committed to me, wholly following the Lord their God. And remember, we looked at the first part of Joshua chapter 1, and God gave him great and precious promises. He says, go, take this place over. Everywhere that the sole of your foot is going to tread, I, I have given it to you. It's yours. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Be strong and courageous. Just keep this book. Keep this book in front of you to make sure that you everything that's written in it. And what a, what a special promise. He says this, As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Wow. You know, the nearness of God to Moses. And um, Josh was promised the same thing. Now we're going to see his first test here in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1, uh, verses 10 through 18. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp. And command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. 
And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land, the land east of the Jordan. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which, Mo- which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So let's see what we're talking about here. What we have here is we have a situation where two and a half tribes, the uh, Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh, they were promised land east of the Jordan. Can you grab those lights? You can see here on the right, sorry I didn't bring my pointer with me. I got a pointer right here though. We're going, we're going low tech today. Okay, so this is the, the Salt Sea, and you go straight up, and that's the Jordan going out of the Salt Sea and towards the Sea of Galilee. And so you see Reuben, Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh on this side. So we have a situation here where they could just easily settle into the land, whereas Joshua's going to come in right above the Salt Sea and come into the land with the rest of the tribes. Well, those two and a half tribes could have said, hey, Moses is dead. Yeah, sure, we said some things to Moses, but who's Joshua? You see? And they could have said, we're not going to go. We're not going to go. We're going we're gonna to stay here. Here, 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 here. And here's Joshua's first test. Can you relate to Joshua? And sometimes dealing with those close to you can be the hardest. You have a situation where you have to talk to somebody. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. And you need to challenge them. You have to understand Joshua is challenging thousands of armed men. He's saying, look, you made a promise. You need to hold up to it. He's calling them to keep their promise. And sometimes the Lord calls us to speak to people, doesn't he? I remember a situation where I, I can't even remember who was in the wrong, but I had to speak to one brother, and he doesn't go to this assembly. But this brother was known as being pretty, how can I say, in your face. Deal with you very directly. I can tell you right now, I was nauseous. I was nauseous at the thought of having to challenge this brother about something. You see? And I got on my face. I remember I lived over there on Dayton. with I uh, wasn't with one of the roommates there, but over there with Dayton, with uh, Matt and whoever else was our roommate at the time. And I got on my face before the Lord. I said, Lord, help me. I'm sick to my stomach. And having to talk to this person about this situation. Sometimes it's the hardest. Family, friends. Maybe you have something you want to do. Maybe you feel like you're in the center of God's will. And you want to follow the Lord in something. Maybe you feel like you have to talk to the leadership about it. Sometimes that's tough. Sometimes we fear. And oftentimes, even approaching believers sometimes can be the the most intimidating. It shouldn't be that way. But it can be. Sometimes it's those at work. Maybe it's neighbors. Maybe the Lord has asked you to speak to somebody about something. Be strong. Be courageous. If God has given you a promise and you know you're in the center of God's will, go forward. This is a little test for Joshua with his own brethren. We've got bigger tests to come. 
If God's going to bring down huge walls, he can turn the hearts of the people in his hand every which way that he wants. So don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. See what the Lord wants you to do and then do it quickly. Verse 16. So the answer, Joshua, saying, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses and all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Wow. That's great, isn't it? Just as we followed Moses, we're going to follow you. Isn't that a great relief as a leader? As someone who has to confront a situation? What? The Lord just took care of everything, prepared the way, didn't he? Oh, by the way, in that situation, the Lord did the same thing for me. It was not even as big a deal as I was thinking it was going to be. And the brother had no problem with accepting what I'm saying. Not that that's always going to be the case. All right? But nevertheless, if you know you're in the center of God's will, and you're doing it for the Lord's glory and for the health of your brother, the Lord's going to take care of you. He's going to, he's going to bless that faithfulness. Just like he blessed the faithfulness of Joshua here. See this small little step? And when Joshua was, was obedient in this step, the Lord blessed the Lord could bless from there on. So let's go to Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Okay. You see that in verse 1? What does it say about Jericho? says, especially Jericho. Now, why would Joshua say that? Why would he say especially Jericho? Jericho was renowned for its walls. Even 3,500 years later, in this last century, people were still digging out the remnants of those walls. This is dated 1999. Uh, This is from Dr. Bryant Wood. Fascinating recent discoveries reveal something unusual happened to the ancient city of Jericho. Heavily fortified with a virtually impregnable double wall, what caused her sudden destruction? And find out why it is significant that even her inhabitants' food stores could still be seen in our time where they were left. This is 1999. That was Jericho. The archaeologists are finding even as recent as 10 years ago. Probably Joshua had ran across Jericho. Remember when they were spying out the land 40 years earlier, or 45 years earlier, right? They were spying out the land and checking out the land, and Jericho would certainly stick out. Was Joshua being unbelieving here? I don't think so. I think he was just counting the cost. I think he was being a good general saying, hey, go check this out. Let's go see what we can find over there. Now, what did they find? Jake, could you uh, maybe just dim half the lights there? Can you do that? How about the other half? (laughs) Oh, now we're going to need all of it. Sorry for all the ups and downs. Well, this is what they found. They found a double wall. This is based on archaeological evidence. This is not just the Bible's recounting. As a matter of fact, we don't even get uh, as much detail at times. The Lord just says, the Lord... Through Moses said this, 
I'm taking you into a land and these cities are fortified to the heavens. Literally, the walls go up to the sky. Okay? So what we have here, see these little dinky dots over here? That's the people. That's the size of the people right there. Okay? So what you have here is this is a slope going all the way up to the upper wall. So this is an, an embankment, and this is a retaining wall keeping this, this ground in. This wall was 12 to 15 feet high. The next wall next to it, this is made out of stone, these, this brick wall was six feet thick. And then it was 20 to 26 feet high. Okay? Well, following that is a big wall. Okay? So here's your ground level. Here is your 12 to 15 feet. Here's 20 to 26 feet more, six feet deep. Then here's an embankment and a slope. Now the bottom of this, the bottom of that wall up there was at 46 feet. And then it went up another 20 to 26 feet from there. Anybody following the math? How tall from where the Israelites were at to the top of the wall are we? Yeah, approximately 75 feet. Very good, Russ. That's a big wall. You're sitting there looking at 75 feet. What is 75 feet in stories, uh, Eric? That's seven and a half stories. And that's, that's the top wall. Okay? And what you would have is, um, maybe you can go to the next picture. It's not as good, but we'll see if it'll be helpful. Uh, it's kind of a mess. Uh, it needs to be zoomed down. Anyway, this is the bottom. This is more of a close-up of the bottom. There's people walking along that way. This is probably showing how the walls came down, but it really didn't. It came down flat. But this is the, this is the embankment holding the ground in. This is the, the first wall, and then the upper wall is way up there. What you would have in between is you'd have people living there. Go back to the, the last slide. See in that, that little area? You'd have people who would actually live on that slope. You see? So I'm not sure. It's hard to tell which part Rahab lived because we know that Rahab lived basically her back of her house was the wall right because she let them down through the rope from a window from her house which was the wall it's a good chance it was up here very top could have been at the bottom regardless you're talking about the low rent district right who wants to be on the wall where all the fights start okay and obviously from a profession that would be the low rent district as well that's a huge wall. It's, it's monstrous, isn't it? 70 to 75 feet of wall. I'm going to get those. Thanks, God. So what did Rahab do? They had probably around 1,200, maybe more people inside the city walls. It wasn't a huge city as far as population goes. But there was quite a uh, few people inside. When you think about it, of all the people inside, you had one person. You had one person believing God. And that, a harlot, a prostitute. Okay? She received the spies, and what did she do? She hid them in a roof. So you can see if there's there a wall there, you would have a roof going off the top, kind of a thatched roof. She hid them, basically, within the thatch. Let's read Joshua chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Now before they lay down, these are the two spies, she, Rahab, came up to them on the roof and said to them, and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land 
that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did on what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that have and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, Our lives for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. And verse 17, So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you made us swear, unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's house, to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood should be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, According to your words, so, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. What did Joshua's spies find? They found a huge city, fortified, walls up to the heavens, seven and a half stories tall. But what did they also find? They found a city who was afraid, a whole city that was afraid. But the difference was the city would rather trust in their walls than turn to God, you see. They'd rather stop and still trust in their walls. Even though they're afraid, they're going to trust in their walls, you see. We have a choice to make, don't we? Sometimes we can build our own walls, can't we? We have two things that we can trust in. The walls that we can build up to keep people out, or we can draw near to the Lord and break. That's what we see Rahab doing, huh? See what she says? It's beautiful what she said. Verse 11, For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. She realizes there's no one like the Lord. She took everything she heard. What was her response? Faith. That was faith. She believed the Lord. She said, wow, that's the true living God. You see, she'd seen enough of sin, enough of man, enough of the bad religion there in Jericho. And when she heard about the real and true living God and what he could do for his people, she responded in faith. You see? You never know. You never know what the Lord's going to do where the Lord's going to find, where the Lord is working, and where you're going to find faith. There's a story of an Iranian gal. She was um, basically uh, taking the bus, traipsing about Iran from city to city, talking about the Lord. And they said, hey, you need to be quiet. The persecution's getting worse. And she said, what do you mean be quiet? We're Christians. Isn't this what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> and then one day she came across a hairdresser's salon and was business was really bad and she went in she started talking about the lord 
And then after she was there for a while, other people came in. Another gal came in, and they kind of had their hair done. But more importantly, they started talking about the Lord. And then a prostitute came in, and then she started hearing about the Lord. And then before you knew it, the salon was filled with business. But then the salon owner closed on one day just so it could be dedicated for people who wanted to come and hear about the Lord. Where was that at? Iran. Incredibly intense Muslim area. Okay? You never know where you're going to find faith. You never know. I can't help but think of how many, quote-unquote, Muslims have moved into the area, but we know that they don't have hope. We know that they don't have the truth. They don't have life. How many is the Lord working in their hearts, bringing them here? Maybe mothers and fathers who are seeing their kids go off into the world. And Islam hasn't helped them. The U.S. hasn't helped them. They need the Lord. You see, you never know where you're going to find faith. You never know. What happened next to Joshua and the children of Israel? Chapters 3 and 4, like Moses crossing the Red Sea, the Lord splits the Jordan for them, and they go across the Jordan on dry ground. Chapter 4, Joshua has them build a, an altar of remembrance for this. In chapter 5, the Lord instructs Joshua to recircumcise the people. I thought this was strange. The Lord had given instruction about circumcision a long time ago to Abraham. But it wasn't so strange when you had that whole uh, generation of people who didn't trust the Lord in Kadesh Barnea. They spent 40 years dying in the wilderness. There wasn't a whole lot of intensity in following the Lord. So there needs to be some things caught up on chapter 5. And I appreciate this about the, the Lord and Joshua. The Lord says, wait a second, we have to clear up some things. There's circumcision to be dealt with. What about the Passover? So they stopped and they kept the Passover. It's also interesting, chapter 5, that's from the manna feast. They stepped into the land, and there it was, manna stopped. The Lord had provided them for manna every day for how many years? At least 40 years. At least 40 years. So they step into the land, just like the Lord said, the manna stops. Okay, that puts us to Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said no but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You ever been answered like that? Hey, are you this or are you that? And someone says, No. What does that tell you? Bad question. Right? You're asking the wrong question. You see? Joshua, he's a good man, but he had a us versus them mentality. You see, it's not really about us versus them. What's it about? It's about the Lord. It's all about the Lord. He says, no, it's not, not that I'm for you. and for. Remember, the Israelites had plenty of issues themselves. And we're going to see they even continue to have issues, unfortunately. They're doing much better than before, but they continue to have issues. With the Lord is on the Lord's side. Really, the question is, are we for the Lord or not? 
That's the real question. Look at verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all your men of war. You shall go around, you shall go all around the city once. This shall, this, this you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. See what's going on there? What's happening with Jericho? Verse 1. It's shut up tight, isn't it? Tighter than a sailor's knot, I heard one old Marine say. It is. It's shut up tight. No one's going in and no one's going out. What does the Lord want them to do? I love the song. I've been thinking about this song a lot lately, obviously. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. That's the way the song goes, right? Joshua fought the... Do you see a whole lot of fighting? Yeah, yeah, I started to think Joshua walked the battle of Jericho. You know? Joshua was in the parade of Jericho. You know, some of those things don't sound as nice, but when you stop and think about it, that's what it was. This was not a battle. This was a rout. It wasn't even close. You see? And you start off with 70, 75 foot walls and embankments. And if anyone knows anything about military, when you're below and they're above, they live, you die. You see? That's what happens. But not with the Lord. Not with the Lord. So what does he tell them to do? Go around. I want you to go around Jericho. And what is the prominent thing? Is it the swords they carry with them? Is it horses or chariots? The Lord doesn't delight in, in horses, does he? Or the legs of a man. It's the ark of God. What does that speak to us? It's the presence of the Lord himself. That's the most important thing. You see? And when they're going around Jericho once each day, what is that saying to all those Jerichites? Those who live in Jericho? What's that telling them? Wow, that's the Lord. That's, that's these Israelites. And that's the Ark of the Covenant. That's where their God meets with them. You see? And I thought, why? Why do this? Why would the Lord have them do this? First of all, I think it's a test of faith. If you're a soldier, last thing you want to do is go parading around someplace. They're up there. You're down here doing nothing. Quote, unquote, doing nothing. Right? Besides that, each time, each day, the priests are blowing the trumpets and they're going around Jericho. Remember, the hearts of the people are already melted. What is that speaking to those people inside Jericho? It's an announcement, isn't it? All around. It's pretty warm in here. I like to wake folks up. That's right. That's what happened, right? And go around and around. These priests are blowing this trumpet. Go around once, blowing the trumpet, stop. What is that? It's a call of salvation. 
You know, I wondered about this. Rahab started with two spies and trying to convince all her family members, right? How many family members more got convinced during that week? Look, they're still here. They're still back. Something's happening. And that trumpet was blowing. It's a sound of be saved. Trust in the Lord. Rahab says, look, I've talked to them. They're going to win. You need to get in here or you will die. You need to come in. Six days the Lord gave them. That's gracious. That's gracious. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you know what? There's only six days. Then there's the seventh day. And God's graciousness there. The seventh day, they go around seven times. You see? Wait, they're doing something different today. You know, they're up there 70, 70 feet in the air looking at these Israelites. You know? Hey, something different's going on. That's it. After seven times on the seventh day, it's shout from all the people. I love that. Why does the Lord make them shout? When are you supposed to shout? You're supposed to shout after you have the victory, right? You know? A celebration. Maybe it's a shout to start a war. I don't know, but the Lord used it. They all shouted, and the Lord brought the walls down. That's it. You pull that up again? I'd like to look at how the, what happened when the Lord did this. By the way, this is archaeology. Well, it's going to take them a while to do that. This is archaeology that they found out that these walls, you think, well, these walls come down in a heap. They just crush down in a heap right here, and these crush down in a heap, and who knows what happened to those? It's going to be pretty tough. That's not the Lord. In the economy of how the Lord does things, you know what he did? And this is what the archaeologists said. We said, where did these brick, where did these brick paths come from? This whole brick wall came down flat. What does the scripture say? The walls came down flat. Why? This whole wall here became a ramp. That whole wall there became a ramp. So they just went straight up 46 feet from where they were at all the way to there on ramps. The Lord's highway. The Lord says, right before you, you're going to go straight up and conquer the people. What has archaeology found in the last confirmed in the last 10 years these walls went 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 flat well but you know what not all of them though there's this one little section of wall that didn't fall down rahab's that's absolutely right go ahead jay they found a section just well we're not sure what happened over here but this part of the wall didn't fall down it was very secure what is that that's the lord protecting that's the lord making a difference Seeing each one that responded by faith and all those who didn't. You see? And it's confirmed even today in archaeology. The walls fell down flat. Rahab's house was still there. Then they also found tons of grain. Plenty of grain. Now you have to understand, finding grain would be like finding a, a flat screen, finding a stereo, Okay? It wasn't money itself, but if you had to, there's garage sales. You could sell it. You could get money, right? It was all still there. Why? It was sudden destruction that happened in Jericho. And then what else did they find? Everything down there was burnt. Why was it burnt? Because God had said so. God said, don't touch anything. Leave it all there. It's all devoted to the Lord. Burn it all. 
What did they find? Lots of stuff left over. Fire, burn, burnt, burnt things everywhere. What does that tell you about? It tells you about the obedience of the children of Israel, doesn't it? The Lord said, leave it. They left it. The Lord said, burn it. They burned it. Why? Well, why would the Lord, why would the Lord say destroy everything? Well, how much stuff we could have used and, and all the stuff, and can't we use it? We could sell it. We could live off it. Lord, why would you tell us to burn it? You know what? That's up to the Lord. It's a definition of wrong and right that I acquired from the Lord a long time ago. You know what's wrong? Whatever the Lord says is wrong. It's real simple. Whatever's right, it's whatever the Lord says is right. And it's not up to me to debate it in my mind. That's why we call him Lord. And I'm not. You see? And the neat thing about this is, because they didn't take it, and because they left it, and because they burned it, what do we have 3,000 years later? We have exactly what the Lord said in his word. You're not going to find it on the 6 o'clock news. You can only find it on the internet if you're really looking hard. You're not going to find it on the front pages of the websites, Google or wherever else. But it's there. Giving glory to God that things happen exactly the way God said. What else did we find? Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Great chapter on faith. I think someone called it the Hall of Faith. I don't have a problem with that name. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 and 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the, when she had received the spies with peace. There it is. What do you have there? You have faith. You have people giving glory to God by believing his word and obeying him. You have a sinner, a known, a known sinner who turns and she believes God. Even to the destruction of her own people. She knows they're going to be destroyed. You know what? That's not going to hold her back. Sometimes we're held back, aren't we? By friends by family, by what other people might think. I wasn't going to hold Rahab back. She said, look, destruction's coming. I want to be saved. Nothing was going to hold her back. God had prepared her heart for salvation, convinced her of the truth. And it says in other passages about the, about the Gentiles in this area that God had hardened their hearts that he might be glorified. Because they wouldn't turn, they wouldn't believe, he hardened their hearts. Because they, God had said to Abraham, the sin of the Amorites was not yet full. He gave them hundreds of years to repent. But now it was full. And judgment was coming. God prepared the heart of Rahab for salvation. God destroyed all those who wouldn't believe. What's the bottom line? God's in control. He's in full control here of what's going on. Let me ask you, can you relate to, to the Rahab this morning? You know, all the women going, what? Think about it. Can you relate to Rahab? Are you convinced that judgment is coming? Judgment is coming. Jesus could come back any moment. 
even more so than that, you could go see Jesus at any moment. I've seen people die from 18 to 80. My own father at 44, which is getting younger and younger every year. Are you ready? Rahab saw the destruction coming. And she said, you know what? I need to turn from my sin. And I need to believe God's deliverance. Lots of people in Jericho, you know what they decided to do? They decided to hold on to the world. They decided to hold on to their walls that they're trusting in, that they could feel and touch. You see? Many here this morning, I think of some of the kids that have grown up in this assembly, you're holding on. You're holding on to walls that are going to come tumbling down. And if you hold on for too long, it's going to be too late. And then destruction. The trumpet's blowing. Be saved today. Father's time. Repent. Don't harden your hearts. Don't build those walls. Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. And you're going to find an incredibly gracious God. Incredibly merciful God. Rahab, a harlot. What does she end up being? The great-great-grandmother of King David. In the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. The Lord can give you a better life than you would ever dream of if you come to him. Give him everything. Don't hold back. Give him all. Just like, just like Rahab did. Also, can you relate to Joshua this morning? Are you fully committed to the Lord? You have and believe his promises? Let's face it, the walls are huge. You've got your own Jose's and Alice's in your life. The rest of that story, I can't say that I've prayed for Jose and Alice every day. I know I've prayed for more than once. I know we've prayed for them here at the assembly. We had pizza at their place just the other night. He pulls me aside. He says, you know, we need to talk. He said, things aren't going so well at home. He worked six or seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day. I said, hey, I got this movie, Fireproof, I think you'd like. He said, oh, yeah, well, maybe that. But do you go fishing? Sure, I can go fishing, Jose. He said, let's go fishing. The Lord can bring down the walls. The Lord is able to bring down the walls. Do we trust the Lord to bring down the walls? Sometimes the walls are huge. I know our young people are reaching out to HMI week after week, wanting to see the neighborhood kids come out. I'm going to encourage you. Work with the kids you got. See whoever shows up, reach out to them and see them reach out to others. It's hard reaching out to neighborhood kids. It really is. Even our own little, little, little court. Islam down the street, huge, entrenched for millennia. That's all that they've known. But God is working. God is working in the hearts, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Who's he going to bring across our paths? Whether it's Islam down the street or Catholicism in Hayward or in Fremont. They seem like huge, huge walls. Simply follow his leading. I was encouraged in that in my quiet time this morning. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Doesn't have to be huge walls and trumpets and, and things. Start with the little things. Just do whatever the Lord asks you to do. One saint was asking me last week, they said, Well, do you think we should do this? Or do you think we should maybe we should maybe we should reach out this way over here? I said, you know, those are good ideas. And we might get it wrong six times. Right? 
Just like he went six times around Jericho, but on that seventh time, maybe that's what the Lord's going to use. Maybe that's what the Lord's going to use. Even if you look foolish. I'm telling you, his battle plan, that looked pretty foolish to me. That's exactly what the Lord wanted, and the Lord used it. Where's our ark? We have an ark we can carry? We do, actually, in a sense. We have this, the Word of God. The Scripture calls it the foolishness of preaching. That's just a book, Charlie. Yeah, but it's living, and it's active. And it's challenged you in your life, hasn't it? And it's spoken to your heart, to your mind. And God wants to take that to others. He's breaking down their walls, and he wants you to take this. This is your banner. This is the presence of the Lord with us today. We hold God to his promises. Lord, you say you're not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. You said, you've, I've not chosen you, but you chose me, that I should bear fruit. Lord, give me fruit. Give me fruit. Because your word says so. I trust you. And I want to bear fruit for you. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to thank you. We want to thank you for your goodness and kindness towards us. Uh, Lord, in, in some senses, we could all relate to Rahab. You've given us so much and we've been so unfaithful. Lord, I thank you for everyone here who has turned from their sin and trusted you, who saw the destruction coming and got up and, and, t- and tied that scarlet thread where it mattered most. We know that speaks to us of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which saves us. Just as that scarlet thread saved her, we're now saved because of him. Lord, I pray for anyone here, though they've been here for years, we pray there's anyone here who hasn't woken up to the, to the sound, to the trumpet sound of salvation, the trumpet call. We pray today might be the day of salvation for them. That, Lord Jesus, they would run to you they would hide themselves in you from the destruction that's coming. And Lord, help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to see huge walls and say, yeah, they're big, but my God is bigger. To know that you want to use us, even us. Lord, whatever needs to be taken care of first, speak to our hearts, our minds. Help us put the things aside that need to be put aside. And prepare our hearts that we might serve you the way you deserve. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these, uh, these lessons from Joshua. Lord, we thank you for these lessons from you. In your name, amen.